Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Listening to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Now it's time for our host, Nate Manson. Wrestling fans, it is time for episode 88 of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate and Aaron here with you on a beautifully cold evening in Northwest Ohio. But you know what? We're doing better than the DiBiase family right now. So. Well, I heard they have two hundred million dollars or whatever. Yeah, but it's not theirs, and they might be going to jail over it. <laughs> yeah. Oh Lord! So, welcome to eighty episode. Welcome to eighty-eight. Welcome to episode eighty-eight of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. <clears throat> Nate and Aaron, like I said, here with you. And on this week's show, we are going to talk about our top ten favorite workers of all time. And when I say worker, Aaron, I don't know how you take that term, but when I when I think worker. I don't think it's my favorite, it's not even necessarily my favorite wrestlers of all time, but the people that impress me with psychology and bell-to-bell making a match look and feel yes. real. Look and feel yes. real. Yes. All right, we're on the same page there. And also... Like, anybody can say what they, like, like you you know this. Um, Roddy Piper is in my top five favorite wrestlers of all time. Right. But Roddy Piper was not a good worker. <laughs> um, that's what I mean. That right. thing, that's what we're talking about. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so, well, as an example, like, honestly, and, and I don't want to, I don't want you to have to say anything to this now, so I'll, I'll just put it out there. But on my, uh, one of my favorite wrestlers, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time entertains the hell out of me is Ric Flair. But I didn't put Ric Flair on my top ten workers. So, that's just me, though. You know, it's it's all personal opinion. But before we get yeah. to that, before we start spoiling that segment, this week's show, you're going to get a rare glimpse, because you hear me all the time on the We Can't Wrestle Live show, talking on the Facebook group and on you, our YouTube page, which you should go subscribe to right now, about the modern product. Well, this week, we're going to get Aaron's hot take on the modern product. Aaron actually watched, beefed up on the modern product this week, and... uh Aaron likes to call himself the Jim Cornette of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Um, so, Aaron, I'm gonna I'm gonna get your take on the modern product this week. Like I said, you took the time to watch the shows, and uh, I think our listeners will be interested to hear what you have to say instead of listening to me go on and on about it. This is the first time I've watched them in a long time, um, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll just watch a couple of them that I missed. And um, when I checked my DVR, 
um, each episode or each each show had like seven of them. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's how far behind I am. So I'm assuming that you did not watch last weekend's NXT Takeover pay per view. I did not even know there was a last weekend's NXT Takeover pay per view. One thing I, I, I one, thing, oh, go ahead. one thing I will say, and um, I actually would like you to do this for the next show. It's homework for you if you have time. I'd like you to go back and watch NXT Portland from last weekend and tell me it's not one of the best wrestling shows you've ever seen in your life. That's that's a bold statement, but it was one of it was probably one of my favorite belt, but like from beginning to end, one of my favorite wrestling shows I've ever watched. So okay, just so that's out. I there. might do that. I might do that tonight when I get home then, because I like the nightlife. I like to boogie, <laughs> so I'm probably going out after this. But I might watch it when I get home. But um, I'll start, if you're okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if I say something, like, okay, guys, so I want you to know, that, like, basically I'm watching this as a new fan, okay? Like, if I was just clipping down it, I shouldn't say new fan. I don't know what's going on, okay? Does that make sense? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what's led to these things or what. So, anyway... So if I miss something, Nate, and something needs explained to me, you can feel free to explain it, or you can just let me keep going. Okay. Okay. So I turn on Monday Night Raw, and I can say this. The theme song sucks. Yes, it does. <laughs> it has no... It does not lend itself to the beginning of a wrestling show. Okay. And then the show starts... And it starts boring. Right off the bat, it's boring. Just the, the, like, I can remember when crowds would go crazy when the show would start. They don't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, it kicks off, like, something picks up, though, because um, I'm, like, excited because Randy Orton's coming out. Okay, I like Randy Orton. I know who this guy is. That's a good idea to start the show with somebody that people know who he is. And guess what? They're introducing him. We'll talk about that on the next thing we're going to talk about. Um, but he's out there because he beat up Edge. Yes. In and and um, he's talking about beating up Edge. Okay. Well, then he also beat up Matt Hardy. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yes. Because Matt Hardy came out because he was mad that Edge that that Randy Orton beat up beat up Edge. Correct. And gave him the concerto. But what I don't get is, if I remember right, Edge fucked this guy's girlfriend. And Matt Hardy did bring that up in the promo that he cut on Orton last week um, about how those things were. It was many many years ago. Those things were in the past. He's pretty much moved on with his life. He's happy. They're friends. They have they have respect for each other, and that was in the past. So, I mean, they kind of addressed it. He did bring it up. Um, but it was just a matter of, I mean, and not, I, I can't quote the promo verbatim, but essentially the thing was, you know, he stole my girl, but everything's okay now because I'm better than I was then. You know, kind of that kind of a thing. Okay, well... It's cool if you're like, oh, I respect you, but I'm not going to like let my neck get 
possibly broken for some guy that fucked my girlfriend. <laughs> but didn't you know Matt Hardy will not die? I mean, I'm... I might have a beer with you at the bar or something, but if somebody starts kicking the shit out of you, you're on your own. Because <laughs> you fucked my girlfriend. Fair, I mean... Fair, 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 fair point. <laughs> I mean, the only thing that would have made it worse is if you would have made me watch. <laughs> so, you're on your own. But anyway, um, I will also say this, that I'm a fan of Matt Hardy, but... After Matt Hardy had become woken or broken Matt Hardy or whatever, for him to go back is silly. Mm-hmm. Makes no sense. Using the old and then, music. And... Yeah. And, um... Um... Randy Orton... I kind of jumped ahead of myself with the Matt Hardy thing, but, like, Randy Orton is the best of his generation. Mm-hmm. In my opinion. Like, even, like, the, like the Brock Lesnar's the the John Cena's Shelton Benjamin's those that generation of people Randy Orton's better than all of them I don't care what anybody says he is <clears throat> and he is also awesome at his promos because for one I can tell that Randy Orton is saying shit that Randy Orton says right like, I don't think I don't think people are handing Randy Orton a script. I think Randy Orton's just going out there and hitting his bullet points and making his point himself. But he also talks. He doesn't yell. He doesn't sound forced. Randy Orton in this segment was very believable to me. But the only thing I'll say about this segment was that it went way too fucking long. Way too long. And it was like a long time to get to what they got to. And... I just, I I mean, he ended up hitting it with the chair on the steps and everything like that. And it's like, this could have been a lot quicker. And the fan, like the fans they were showing the board and it was all quiet and it it was just bad. And, and something I want to throw in there. And again, like I said, we're making, this is about you, your opinion, but I wanted while you mentioned, since you mentioned it, I wanted to, to mention something about, about modern wrestling and modern wrestling fans, if you watch this segment, and you're right, it was too long, but at the end of it, you know, when you got your payoff, with everything going on, and Orton, you know, getting one over on Hardy, in the long-term booking of the story, the end of this segment, as far as the fans go, if I was thinking in classic wrestling logic, this this the, the fans' reaction was an undesired reaction to this. They shouldn't be cheering Randy Orton right now. Yeah. That's, that's inherently one of the problems with modern wrestling and modern wrestling fans. Is you know, and and I don't know how you I don't know how you escape from that wormhole. But that was one of the things that when I was taking my notes on Raw that I put down was that the, that was a, that would that in the nineteen eighties that would have been an undesired reaction from that crowd. Yeah, it's the reason Jake, but, it's the reason Jake Roberts didn't get to main event with Hulk Hogan, you know. But if I'm the WWE, I would have looked at it as like at least that's a reaction because <laughs> this is, this he reacted true. to a lot of other shit. <laughs> true, that. just saying because they were sitting on their hands for a lot of this shit. So then Randy ends up hitting him with the chair two times, and then they go to break, 
And they come back from their break, and they show a board sitting on their ass crowd. And the commentators are just like, oh, welcome back to Monday Night Raw. Everyone's so devastated about what happened to Matt Hardy. It's like, no, they're bored. <laughs> so, oh, oh, what are we going to do to get them off their ass? We're going to bring out Eric Rowan. His little, his little cage. <laughs> I don't know what's in there. What's in that little cage? Is that a Harlem sewer rat? Is it a, a guinea pig? Kevin Sullivan. None of us know what's in there at all. But something's in there. <laughs> then we get Alistair Black, and guess what? I am a fan of Alistair Black. Same. Guy excites me. I don't like the fact that his little board creaks when he sits up, <laughs> but I'll get past that. Um,. They do something where they're talking about, this is what Alistair Black said earlier today. Why can't Alistair Black say it? Why can't Alistair Black be the guy to say what he thinks? Why do I have to hear, what is it, Tom Phillips? Yeah, and that, that is, that is, and that is, honestly, that's a Michael Cole deal. And, and the reason I say that is, that even used to annoy me about Michael Cole, like on SmackDown in 2002. You know, like Kurt Angle would be coming out, and Michael Cole would be like, earlier today, Kurt Angle told me, and then he would actually say what Kurt Angle, and I don't know, it's probably a Vince McMahon producing Michael Cole, but now you've got Michael Cole influencing these new announcers, so they're doing it too, you know. Like Michael Cole would say, Kurt Angle told me earlier today that if Eddie Guerrero is going to get in his business, he's going to make sure Eddie Guerrero can't get into his business any longer. Uh, it's not a quote, but you know what I'm saying. It was yeah, garbage. It's garbage. And everything that everything that Tom Phillips said that um, Alistair Black said, they could have put up in the corner while Alistair Black was coming out right. and let Alistair Black say it. It worked for years. It'll still work now, but that's stupid. And then Aleister Black beat Eric Rowan, and um, this match was forever. <laughs> like, it wasn't a bad match, okay? Like, Eric Rowan isn't terrible. He's not the greatest thing since sliced bread, but he's not terrible. And he had a decent match with Aleister Black, or Aleister Black had a decent match with Eric Rowan. But it would have been even better if they would have just taken like five or six minutes off of it. Like, Eric Rowan versus Aleister Black should not be a commercial break match. Right. But then again, it seems like any match in professional wrestling now is a commercial break match. I won't get too much into that, but this thing went way too long. Way too long. Um... Next up was the 24-7 championship. This thing is garbage. They should get rid of it. Um, Riddick Moss beat Mojo Riley in our truth. Um, it is what it is. Then um, Charlotte Flair came out and um, was going on and on about something. And... Um, what I don't think it's like a stretch now 
when like Charlotte Flair is like, oh, she's fighting that Rhea Ripley or whatever, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It, it is a stretch when somebody like Charlotte Flair is like, Rhea Ripley's in the NXT. She didn't pay her dues. I worked in a warehouse. <laughs> you know, it's a stretch. Like, don't even go there. You know, I, it, to me, it's just that, that this generation of wrestlers saying, and I'm not saying this generation of wrestlers don't work hard, but for them to be like, he, she didn't pay her dues. Neither did you, Charlotte Flair. The first contract you ever got was a WWE contract. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You didn't pay your dues either. You got lucky because your dad was the nature boy and you got handed a contract. So don't be like, she, she didn't pay her dues. Neither did you. <laughs> Just saying. And she may have actually paid her dues more than Charlotte because she did work indies in the UK. And didn't she do like MMA shit and stuff too? Is she yes. one of those ones, or mm-hmm. she's just a wrestler? No, she she did nothing wrong with that. Yeah, she did. She did some of the MMA stuff too. Rhea did, and she's really good. And she's really good. I'm not and, saying she isn't. And I'm not again. I'm not trying to step on your toes because I know this is supposed to be about you. But one of the thoughts that I have about this whole deal with Rhea and Charlotte. Charlotte wins the Rumble. She's going after. I have talked about on We Can't Wrestle Live already. I have a very very big problem with the cross-pollination of NXT into the main roster stuff because I think that every single time you take NXT and throw it into the main roster um, you dilute NXT and what it is. And I'm not saying NXT isn't great. And I'm not saying at times Raw and SmackDown aren't good. But NXT is supposed to be different it's supposed to be outside the lines i guess is what i'm trying to say and they just keep throwing nxt on raw on smackdown and just diluting it and you're essentially gonna get to a point where it's just raw smackdown ecw again you know what i mean yeah i don't like it i don't i think that i i I said this week i think that um if charlotte was going to say i want to challenge rhea ripley for the nxt women's title based on my Royal Rumble win, why not give that rub to NXT, not throw them into the WWE main roster mix, and say, because I want the NXT women's title, I want to challenge her on the takeover on WrestleMania weekend, not at WrestleMania. That, and also say, if, if say you're the, I, I know they, this is another thing, I know they don't have like authority figures now, and I appreciate that. Right. Okay. But there should be somebody in charge. Which I mean, you could easily do that with with NXT because of Regal. You could throw. I know, but I'm saying like, I'm saying of like Monday Night Raw, there should be somebody in charge. Like like you shouldn't you don't you don't need to see them all the time, but there should be somebody they can refer to, like a Tunny. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if if I'm like the person in charge of Raw, and Charlotte Flair goes, I want to challenge challenge for the NXT Championship. You know what I'm going to say? Get your ass to NXT then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't don't come here anymore then. You don't want my championship belt. I don't want you here then. If you like NXT that much, go there. 
Like, Charlotte Flair shouldn't be a Raw superstar anymore. If she says, I want to challenge for the NXT championship, then you need to go to NXT. Mm-hmm. You're giving up your Raw contract to sign a contract with NXT. You go there. You're you're taking that gamble. See you later. Yep. Um... Next up, they brought out Drew McIntyre, and the last time I saw Drew McIntyre, he was like this ripped up, badass some bitch. Okay, right? Mm-hmm. And he was like kicking people's asses and doing this, that, and the other thing. It was really cool. Why does the WWE insist on taking when somebody gets over and they take a badass heel and turn them into a face? Do they int- do they make them have to be cute? Now, what I will tell you is this, and this is my perception. And I'm not saying I don't like Drew McIntyre. Oh no, I, I like know, Drew I know. I mean, like I'm I'm more excited about a WrestleMania main event than I have been in a long time because he won the Rumble. But, um, what I will say is this, and, and it's context because, like you like you said, like you admitted, you haven't watched, you know. So what I will say is I'll put this in context for you. He has been still being a badass. Um, you know, he, 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 you know, a couple of weeks ago he did like the, I'm calling my, you know, like the Babe Ruth, I'm calling my, my hit thing, you know? And, yeah. you know, he was, he told, uh, fucking, what's his name? That guy you really hate. Um, oh. Brutus Beefcake? No. The old, the football player guy that, shit, anyway. God, I can't even remember his name off the top of my head. But anyway, he told him uh, he get he the guy he was going to wrestle the guy, and then um, he cut a promo. Player, who are you talking about? Mojo Raleigh. Oh yeah. Okay, so he told Mojo Raleigh he got in the ring, and I think you would have appreciated the segment because he got in the and it was kind of old school. He got in the ring. Mojo was waiting. You know, Mojo's like in the jobber status, like currently in the ring. But anyway. And Mojo's kind of talking shit, and then Drew gets in the ring, and he says, um, let me talk about something, and then we'll ring the bell, and I'm going to hit you with my kick, and I'm going to pin you. And then he cuts his promo, and Mojo's acting cocky, and Drew hits him with his kick and pins him when they start the match. And he's been doing that kind of a thing, and... Based on his character and based on the way, I hope I hope I'm right. But based on the way he's been presented, I think him pointing to the WrestleMania sign and that kind of stuff is almost supposed to be mocking it, mocking that other people do it. Like he's still, if you, if you look at his whole his whole his whole program and his whole aura, he's still got the badass. Well, I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm just saying like he's. I just, I'm worried they're going to make, he's going to win the belt. And I hope not. I hope, I hope what you're about to say is not true. <laughs> he's going to become, like, super cute. Mm. And I hope, that's, I, mean? I hope that's not he, the case. He's going to be, they're going to try to be like, hey, let's make you John Cena. Right. Or let's make you, um, what I, like, like, that's what they're going to try to do. And it's going to be a horrible idea. But anyway, um, Drew McIntyre beat MVP, who's apparently back now, which I'm cool with that. I'm an MVP fan. Um, the 
I didn't see the ambulance neck thing like live. I heard about it, and just from watching the video, um, anything that they could do with um, uh, Shayna, Shayna, and uh, um, Becky Lynch, anything they can do here on out will do nothing for me. Just by watching the recap, that was one of the worst things I've ever seen in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Fucking stupid. Yeah, they've ruined their equity with Becky. Like, when I heard about it, I'm like, oh, maybe it's not as bad as it sounds. And then I just see the clips. I'm like, if this is what it was, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> like, for one... If somebody bit you like that, you wouldn't just be like, oh, I'm so hurt, guys. How bad does it look? You know, like you would be out. For one, you wouldn't be able to drive. I'm just saying you wouldn't be able to drive. Mm -hmm. And and you would want those people putting I could understand if she came back. You know what I mean? Right. Like you could stretch it on that. Like you could stretch that. Okay, she's she's fighting through the pain after she's been bandaged up. The hospital wouldn't let her leave, so she took the ambulance, and now she's coming back. Uh-huh. But why would she just beat them up and drive herself to the the hospital? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that makes no fucking sense. If you're okay enough to drive to the hospital, you're okay enough to go back and attack the person that just bit your jugular. And then, did you notice when she came back out, you might not have, because you didn't see the actual ambulance, you just saw the recap. She actually, and this is this is an error where I can't believe WWE made it, because if WWE is one thing, they're attention to detail. Um, because there's such a high... Pr- she actually had the bandage on the wrong side of her neck from where she got bit. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but anyway, moving on. So I didn't. I, I fast forward after I saw that segment. I just after I saw that recap thing or whatever, I watched it. But I half ass watched it. That one chick dropped. She said shit. Like if you're gonna use the s word, use it in a yeah, use it in a better segment than this. So those two do nothing for me anymore. And then um, uh, Lana and Bobby Lashley were with that. Uh, What's her name? The Mexican lady. Hispanic uh, lady. Charlie Caruso? No. The manager that manages on... Oh, um, Zelina Vega. Yeah, she was with Vega and um, was Angel Garza. Mm-hmm. And Angel Garza said some stuff. I have no idea what that guy said. He's fantastic, by the way. But anyway. I'm not saying he's not great in the ring, but I have no idea what he said. No clue. Didn't understand a word of it. Like, he needs to not speak if he can't... Like, I shouldn't say it. Anyway. Anyway. I just... I didn't... I, like... I He was talking too fast, and just didn't, it didn't work for me. Maybe if I hear the guy more, like, as I start trying to watch, maybe if I hear him more, I'll figure it out. But in this segment, I didn't. I didn't get a word this guy was fucking saying. And is he Hector's like son or like his nephew or ne- what? Nephew, I believe. Nephew. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, well then, um, so Lashley and Angel Garza are going to fight Rusev and some guy whose name I cannot say. How do you pronounce that person's name? Humberto Carrillo? Yeah. <laughs> you, well, you just said. Um, these guys, these four had a great match. Um, I'm not going to take anything away from it, but the only thing it is is WWE is still doing the obligatory 20-minute tag team or six-man tag team match in the middle of their show. Like, it's still, like, Raw is like a repeat every week, it feels like to me. Like, they're still doing the same shit that I had seen, like, seven episodes ago. And and it's not just WWE. AEW does it too. Every match goes through a fucking commercial. Every, every match. Every match on AEW goes through a fucking commercial. Other than the smart segments. But, yeah. No, I see what you're saying though. And, um... WWE, I don't know, like... I don't know why they have to fuck with things that work. Like... People want to see whether they're good guys or bad guys. Or I should say heels or faces at the time. People don't give a shit as long as Lana and Rusev are together. Mm-hmm. People like Lana and Rusev together. People still like Rusev, but they like him better when he's with Lana. Right. And they don't want to see... I mean, you, know, you want to see Lana. There's no denying the fact that she's an attractive human being, but people don't care about her or want anything to do with her when she's not with Rusev. Well, that's because it, work. It, it also hasn't helped. I know I keep butting in, so I'm making your segment go no, long here, but it also doesn't, like this, I think this whole deal is going to be what totally takes people out of Lana in that, if you notice, or if you have, you probably haven't, but I have, they've... They've taken everything away, not only from the act of Lana and Rusev that made them fun, but they've especially taken everything out of the act of Lana, because when she cuts promos, she doesn't even really have the Russian accent anymore. Like, she's not the ravishing Russian, uh, annoying Lana anymore. She's just fucking annoying. Yeah. Like, like she doesn't even, she doesn't even have the accent. She doesn't, like, or sometimes she kind of will slip into it, but then she doesn't, and she's just completely miscast and yep. you're right i i agree with you wholeheartedly lana and rusev never they never should have even done the lana thing with with ziggler like lana and rusev should have been liz and randy you know you keep them together for 10 fucking years before you break them up yeah but anyway um something i didn't write down and i wish i would have um so i might have put it out of place is i didn't mind the um the OC Ricochet segment. Mm-hmm. I liked that. Um, and him and uh, Ricochet and, and Carl Anderson had a good match. Um, the sermon was all right, but like everything else on the show, it went way too fucking long. And then, like I was saying, where um, uh, there should be some kind of boss on the show. Like, Seth Rollins just makes his own six-man tag team match at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so like, okay. So when I say that, so 
say the sermon would have happened and nobody would have ever attacked. So there, like, there wouldn't have been a match right there. So that's like that would have been the end of the show, and we'd have been like, "Hey, we got we got forty five minutes we, left." Folks, yeah, we ended we ended the show thirty four minutes early. We have nothing left, so and, and then and then with the modern with the modern WWE commentary, we would have would have been like, "We're ending thirty four minutes early." Thank you for joining us on Monday Night Raw. Stay tuned for Miz and Mrs. <laughs> like. They should come on the show and say, tonight, you're going to see this, 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 and you're going to see this. Just saying. Like, Jerry Lawler should have been like, thank God somebody attacked somebody, or we would have had to stretch. <laughs> um, Street Profits are annoying, and um, I don't like them, and this show took for fucking ever. Everything on it took fucking ever. Didn't like it. Um, if I was booking Monday Night Raw, just off of, of this show and just how I feel, and this is funny because one of these guys wasn't on it. On the heel side of things, it would be, you know, who'd be, be my top guys on Monday Night Raw? My Monday Night Raw? Mm-hmm. It would be the OC. And after them, Kevin Owens. Well, I shouldn't even say this would be the order. This would be my, my five heel group or heel acts and my five face acts. The OC, Kevin Owens, Brock Lesnar, Randy Orton, and I've, even though I haven't been watching, I've been reading, I hear nothing about EC3. Nothing. Yeah, he's been totally squandered. That guy should be something in that company. I don't know who he pissed off, but he pissed somebody off. Well, they need to get over it. And then on the face side of things, I would have Seth Rollins, Rusev, Drew McIntyre, Alistair Black, and Ricochet. Those would be my... These are the ten guys that always need to be doing something every week. It's not a boring 45-minute segment. (laughs) So that is my opinion of Monday Night Raw. If this is what it is... It's going to be really hard for me to keep watching it, but I'm going to try. So Raw was terrible in your estimation. Yes. What is Up the... Next. Uh-huh. Okay. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, who's next on your hit list? AEW. Ah, this is the one I'm the most interested in. I'm, I'm reviewing them in the order that I watch them. Um, the one thing at the start of AEW that I will give them is at least their show starts out with fucking something exciting. There's fireworks... There's welcome to the show, and 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 th- that's something. It's not just welcome to Monday Night Raw. Here we go. Um, a problem I do have is that they have this big tag team battle royal, and um, I don't know who. If if I wasn't already aware of who these people were, I'd have no idea who they are. There's a you reason know? for that. Yeah. And there were some people in this match that until I figured started putting two and two together, I didn't know who they were. Um, they um, were talking about how these guys were all in this tag team battle royal, and it was to declare the number one contender for the tag team champions. And unless I missed it during this match, there was no mention of who the tag team champions were. 
I'm sure there wasn't. And there was no um, Adam Page and um, Hangman Page and um, Omega. Uh, Omega, like, watching the match. No. There was no Lucha Brothers watching the Like, both of those teams in separate locations should have been watching this. Because the Lucha Dragons should have been like, you know what? We know we're going to win tonight. So who are we going to face at Revolution? And Paige and Omega should have been curious on who's going to win this match. But anyway, um, this thing was all over the place. Um, I heard, uh, I don't remember the exact move that was going on, but Excalibur said, this is a dangerous spot, so fuck him. (laughs) I've been saying fuck him forever. Fuck him. So, and I, I don't want to interject, or I, I do want to interject, because I want to ask you something. Because I've been, I've been saying this on We Can't Wrestle Live for, like, weeks. Okay, you have Excalibur out there, this fucking dildo, alright, this guy's, he's terrible at his job. These, this company has Taz under contract. Why is Excalibur still the color man on this show? Primary color man on this show? What the fuck is their problem? Do you agree with me? Well, I mean, I haven't heard a lot about him, so I wasn't trying to judge him too much. Would it it not be, having watched the show, would you have not been much more entertained by the commentary if it was Jim Ross and Taz through the entire show? I would have been more entertained if it was just Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone. But, um... He said the dangerous spot thing, so he's fucking done. I was going to try to give him a chance. Um, other than that, their broadcast team is fine. And this was won by the Young Bucks. Um, somebody, I don't know who took it. I can't remember because it was going all super fast. Um, somebody took a hell of a jumping out of the air, the air, and they took a super kick. Was it Sammy Guevara? I don't remember. But either way, that was impressive. Um Then they start going a recap, or not a recap, but a, a what I said WWE should do of showing us what's coming up. Um, the only thing I'll say is that should have been at the beginning of the show and then moved into the Battle Royal. Because guess what? While you're doing that, they could have like been bringing out the wrestlers mm-hmm. and like maybe putting their, their name at least up on the screen. Um, uh, there was a woman's match. Fast forwarded through that. Um, well, I saw like they like they recapped um, Riho versus uh, uh, Nyla Rose, and I was trying to like not get too. Um, how do I want to say it? I didn't want to go into too much of a prejudice of this Rio check because I didn't see a lot of her, and I'm not saying she's even a bad wrestler. She's she could be a great wrestler. I don't know, but it's it's not believable what she was doing to Nyla Rose. It's not believable. No, you know what Riho is. Riho is what Riho is an improperly booked Kyrie Sane. Kyrie Sane is booked properly, um, and 
I, I, I don't know how much you know about Kyrie Singh, but I really like Kyrie Singh. But anyway, um, Rio. Like I'm sure Rio is perfectly fine. I'm sure she's perfectly fine. It's a professional wrestler, but she shouldn't be German suplexing a big, a big fucker like that. She shouldn't be doing it. Right. Um, so I fast forwarded through all of that after I watched that recap video. Um, it was nice seeing something let me know who Jeff Cobb is. Because say I don't know anything about anything. At least I now I know who this guy is. Um, Moxley comes out. He's the first guy that actually looks like a star. Um, and then Jericho comes out with uh, uh, Sammy Guevara and um, um, Jack Hagar. Jake, yeah. Jake Hager. Jake Hager. Um, and Jericho doesn't look like he's like just fat anymore. It looks like he's actually starting to get into some decent shape. So kudos to him. Um, looks like he's eating kudos now. Instead of Snickers, he's switched to the kudo bars, and he's trying <laughs> to lose the weight. Do they still make kudos? Yes. <laughs> okay. You know what I'm talking about? I do. Um, but Jeff Cobb versus John Moxley. Um, John Moxley defeated Jeff Cobb, which I think is stupid. They had a good match. Okay, it was like a really good. It was a good match, but it's stupid that Moxley beat him. They could have got the same desired effect with the post match shit mm-hmm. if they would have had like Cobb get disqualified or something. Yes, or even let Moxley get disqualified. That might even been better. If he's, he's so pissed off that he just bashes this guy with a chair or something, mm-hmm. you know? And he loses by disqualification, and it loses Moxley nothing. But this Cobb guy is supposed to be this bounty hunter, and he loses his first match coming in. Since he started the John... Or since he started the... Um, the wh- Since he went solo in WWE with the Dean Ambrose character, and then the John Moxley character in AEW... Do you know who John Moxley to me is? If they would book him properly, of modern wrestling, he's Randy. Well, modern he, he's Randy. John Moxley. He's, he's Randy Savage. He's that loose cannon that you never know what's going to happen. You never know what you're going to get. And like you just said, let John Moxley get himself disqualified. It totally fits the character. Yeah, he's a fucking lunatic. You know? yeah, I don't care if I win this match. I'm just going to bring this guy with his chair. Right, you, know? you haven't been beat up properly yet. <laughs> yeah, and, and and let Cobb take it, fall down, and the other guys can run in, and then eventually Cobb's back up. And right. You'd be like, oh, look at this big fucker. He's back up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, and you could have still did all these shit you did. You still could have got the desired effect of like Dustin coming out and then Darby Allen coming out. Like, but the win thing, whatever. Um, Darby Allen came out, and the only thing I didn't like about Darby Allen coming out is he did his whole thing. Like he came out, and he stood on the ra- he stood on the stage. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He did his whole elaborate entrance, and his entrance is cool. Like him riding the skateboard down the ramp, that's cool. I like that. But he did this whole thing, and, like, um, the inner circle's just standing there watching it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if I was Jericho, I'd be like, this guy's really doing this? Let's just go get him. 
You know what I mean? It's like, we have these guys down. He's going to do his whole thing. And now he's on his skateboard. Why don't you just jump him while he's riding his skateboard? But anyway. Um, also, when when Darby Allen came out, Excalibur said, Oh, what a pop. So fuck him. <laughs> Anyway, this, I liked this, okay? I like John Moxley, I like Chris Jericho, I like Jack Swagger, I like Sammy Guevara, I like Darby Allen, I like Dustin. This, I liked, this was cool. I liked this segment. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll even overlook the victory, like, like Moxley winning thing, whatever. I'll overlook it. Shouldn't have happened, but this was a good segment. This was a good wrestling segment. I enjoyed it. Okay. Okay. Um, next up was the Lucha Brothers versus Hangman Page and Kenny Omega, um, which Page and Omega won. It was a spot fest. It is what it is. Um, and Page and Omega won, and then the the Bucks came out, and they were like pulling Omega either way. Is what it is. Um, I'm not looking forward to that match. If I would ha- if I would happen to watch the pay per view, I wouldn't be looking forward to that. Um, someone gave their beer to um, Hangman Page, which I would never do that. This is like fourteen bucks. <laughs> like I been fuck you. And then. Um, there's a cage match between Cody and is it Warlow? Wardlow. 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 Or Waldo. What is it? Wardlow. Wardlow. Yes. Jim Ross said everything. Jim, Jim Ross has definitely lost a couple of steps in his age. Um, but yeah, the, the name is Wardlow. Okay. This and I'm gonna say this: I like their cage. I do too. I, I think their cage looks good on TV. Something else they do, and I don't know why it impressed me, or it, I shouldn't say impressed me. I thought it was cool was that it goes all the way down to the like it goes all the way down to the ground. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that? Yes. Like it doesn't sit on the ring; it goes all the way down. I thought that was cool. There was a segment when they were on commercial, which this is the only match between these two shows that when it was picture in picture, I still didn't even fast forward to the commercial because I watched the match. There was like a cool spot where Cody was like down on the ground, but he was stuck in the, he was stuck between the ring and the cage. And yeah. the cage. That was cool. Um, I just, I think their cage looks good on TV. Um, Well, Apparently Brandy had, like, PMS, and now she's over it. Even though the beginning of their feud was silly, because they did not do enough to establish their friendship, the Cody-MJF feud, overall, has been the best thing in AEW ever, so far. Yeah, I enjoy it. Um, and I didn't mind this match. It was a decent match. That mm-hmm. guy was... Um, Wardlow was, like, better than I thought he was going to... Has he had a match before this? Um, not that I recall, no. He was better than I thought he was going to be. I don't know if maybe it's because he was in there with Cody. I don't know. He might end up having a match with somebody else, and it might not be that good. But this was a decent 
match, and I enjoyed it. And the moonsault that Cody hit was impressive as fuck. Um, I just I thought this was a good match, and Cody wins. Um, and that's how we go off of that. And I will say this, is the AEW might have some bad stuff on it. But watching Raw and then watching AEW, guess what? You prefer AEW? AEW this week. This first time I watched Raw and AEW in however many weeks, AEW had a better show than Monday Night Raw. They did. It was better. I think part, and, I think part of that comes from show length. And and if it is, then then that's still a fucking knock on the WWE. Why is your show three hours? If you can't produce an excite, if you could, if if Raw was three hours and it was three hours of excitement, I'd have no problem if that show was three hours. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, no problem. But if you give me three hours and an hour of it's exciting, and the other two hours is boring as fuck. You got to reevaluate the WWE, whatever. Um, if I was doing just off of this show, um, same thing I just did with the WWE. I'm going to take ten guys or X and make them my focal point on the heel side of things for AEW. It would be Chris Jericho, MJF, SCU would be heels. Pack and Sean Spears. And like I said, Sean Spears wasn't on this show, but I'm just going off of looking at the roster, the people I like, people I know what they can do. That would be my heels. And on the face side of things, it would be Cody, Adam Page, Darby Allen, um, Luchasaurus, and Jungle Boy. Those would be the five baby faces I would do my shit with. So that's AEW. Ready for NXT? I am. All right, NXT starts. They show the highlights of what Nate said is like the greatest pay-per-view of all time. I didn't say that. <laughs> um, watching this, I have a question. Mm-hmm. How many times has Tiampa or Gargano turned on each other? And then uh, got back together. Gargano, or Ciampa turned on Gargano, and then they got back together. And now Gargano has turned on Ciampa. I think as, I think the way the storyline is, is playing out to me is, Gargano was kind of, sort of, he- hedging his bets and waiting to get revenge on Ciampa. But only once for each. Okay, I'm and, just making and, sure these guys weren't going to be like the Sting and Luger of the no, era. No, at, at least not now. And they are amazing together, and everything they have done has been perfection. Alright. Um, I'm still not a fan of the Velveeta Dream. <laughs> um, but the Undisputed Era is cool, though. Um, Velveeta Dream just doesn't do it for me. And Adam Cole is... The best wrestler in the world right now. But anyway. Yeah, I just I just think the Velveeta Dream's kinda cheesy. Oh. Hey oh <laughs> Um 
But they did their little opening segment. It was it is what it is. It was the obligatory. We're gonna have the apparently even in the NXT we gotta have the the opening promo. This doesn't happen every week. Well, it happened this week. Um, Jordan Devlin defeated Leo Rush in a cruiserweight championship match. It was all right. I'm I, that Devlin guy ain't too bad. I liked him. Um, then Austin Theory came out. He looked like he was a, a good-looking young athlete. Um, didn't see much of him on the show because Ciampa comes out, cuts a scripted promo, and then beats up Theory. Um, and I believe it's Beth Phoenix that's on commentary, right? Yes. She's terrible. I don't think so. I think so. I think she's better she's than Renee ter- Young on commentary. She is terrible. If you listen to her while this beatdown's going down, if that's the first impression I hear, maybe next week if I when I if and when I watch, she'll do better. But this was the first imper- impression I had of Beth Phoenix on commentary. Terrible. Um, one of the main things I took from this show is that um, Briar Patch looks like it's a pretty cool show, and I might start watching it. I don't know if you saw the commercials from Briar Patch, but it looks pretty good. Yes. I watch it. Um, Raul, Ma- Raul, yeah. Some guy named Renault, I can't say his <laughs> name. Raul? Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wild. Who I don't like. That is a horrible name. And it's, a, it's just, everything about that guy annoys me. But anyway. He looks like a fucking Batman villain. <laughs> like he, he looked like when he came out. He, you know, on Gotham or whatever. Yeah. When they had the the pyro person. <laughs> yes. You know, talking about yes. what's her name? Firefly. Firefly, yeah. That's what he looked like. I'm like, what the fuck is Firefly doing coming out here? <laughs> but anyway, um, they went up against the grizzled young veterans. Who I don't fucking like them either. Really? I don't like anything about this. You don't like the grizzled young veterans? No. I don't I like do. anything about this. I do. But anyway. All these things can go fuck off. <laughs> and then, after that, I'm like, oh, okay, it can't get any worse than that. It does, because guess who they bring out? They bring out my least favorite main, like modern-era mainstream wrestler right now. I fucking hate Matt Riddle. hate him. I hate his stupid look. I hate his stupid face. I hate his stupid music. I fucking hate that guy. He's an asshole and he needs to go home. And the Broserweights is a stupid fucking name for a tag team. Fuck him and his Grand Theft Auto 3 sounding fucking music. (laughs) Fucking hate him. (laughs) Fuck Matt Riddle. But they beat Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch, who are two guys I like. And I like Pete Dunne. But I can't support Pete Dunne right now because he's teaming with Matt Riddle. 
Fuck him. I think that's eventually going to turn into a feud. Obviously. <sighs> Hope it's a loser leaves the country match. And <laughs> Matt Riddle has to move to goddamn Botswana or something. And we never see him again. <laughs> um, then Keith Lee came out. And he beat someone. I don't know who that guy was. Keith Lee is fucking amazing. No, I know who Keith Lee is. But I don't know who the guy he beat is. I don't remember either. It was like Kona something. I don't know. But I do like Keith Lee. Okay. And then um, I'm going to mess up his name. But in in Ring of Honor, it was Donovan Dijak. Dominic Dijakovic. Yes, I'll, I'll figure it out eventually. But that was a guy that, Nate, you even know that I said it. He was at the tail end of when I was still kind of watching Ring of Honor. And I said, this guy is going to be a WWE superstar. He ain't going to last very long in Ring of Honor. I like that guy. And I like Keith Lee. So this is something I'm interested in. I understand they've had a lot of matches. Well, but as long as it's good matches, I don't I, give a I, shit. I, I was, I'm interested in seeing what they do after this. I was about to say, um, one of my references to that TakeOver Portland pay-per-view and why I want you to watch it is, when you watch it, you will see that these two guys were born to wrestle each other. Keith Lee and Dijakovic were born to wrestle each other. I've seen clips and stuff of it, and it's amazing. I can't remember what match I saw, but I saw one of their matches, and it's not the same thing. But you know what it reminded, like you know what their feud kind of reminds me of. What's that? It kind of reminds me of like, um, when Masato Tanaka and Mike Awesome feuded with each other. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, I can totally see that. Because I always said that about Tanaka and Awesome too. They were just they were two guys that were just born to fight each other, you know, to wrestle each other and put on a good fucking show. And there, and there doesn't need to be anything in the story other than These, they just want to beat yeah, each other. Just, there's two big fucking guys that want to beat the like, fuck out like of you each didn't, other. You didn't, you didn't hit me with a car, <laughs> right. or you didn't come out and cost me the championship. I just want to kick your ass. <laughs> I just want to kick your ass. You want to kick my ass, and then when it's done, it's like, well. You beat me, so now I guess I got to come back next month and try to beat you again. Because they're both two big badasses that don't need that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm into that. And then the final match of the show is Roddy Strong, who I'm a huge fan of, taking on the Velveeta Dream. <laughs> and. They showed what was going into this match. So I have a question. The Undisputed Era is like the heel faction, right? Yes. I know what you're going to say. In this, Velveeta Dream is the shithead. And I know what you're going to say, and I've said the same thing. Why should we not not want these guys to beat this guy up? He brought another man's wife and child into this situation. this This is... Rude and Roberts, and you're right. Velveeta Dream, sorry, (laughs) listeners, Aaron influenced me. Velveteen Dream should be the heel in this situation, so if they were going to... He is the heel! Yes. Shouldn't be. He is. He's a piece of shit. 
So everything they did to him, I'm glad they did it. Fuck that guy. You put another man's baby on your tights and now you took his wife and put it on his dick. Put it on like put his wife on your dick and your butt. Fuck you. Why 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 should I not boo Velveeta Dream but boo Bobby Lashley? Right. So that took me out of this. I shouldn't say took me out of it. It it shows that people can say, Oh well, NXT is different. It, it is different, and it was a more. This was a better show than Monday Night Raw, but there's still illogical bullshit in it too, or oversights, or whatever you want to call it, in that situation. That's just my opinion. Um, it was it was an all right show, but I would say out of the three that I watched. On this week, this week, AEW had the better show of all three of them. And that, in my opinion. And that is Aaron's verdict. If it wouldn't have been for, like, Matt Riddle and that um, grizzled young veterans, Raul Mendoza, Joaquin Phoenix, or whatever fucking match. <laughs> I would have been if it was Joaquin Phoenix. I probably would have enjoyed it more. <laughs> but if it wouldn't have been for those two things, I probably would have been cool, and NXT would have probably been better. But this week, as a new fan, or I shouldn't say a new fan, a lapsed fan, watching the modern product, AEW won. Well, there you go. Aaron gives AEW the Duke this week, and uh, we will take a break. <laughs> Good, because I have to use the facilities. And when we return, we're going to talk classic wrestling like we normally do here. But it was fun to get your opinion on the shows. And for those of you that want to check out my opinion on the shows and Kyle's opinion on the shows from this week, you can listen or you can watch We Can't Wrestle Live Sunday night, 10.30 p.m. I'm done plugging that. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back with more of episode 88 of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Well, 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 you can't wrestle. So what did you do? You went out there and you started a podcast. You got that right. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And I am Brian Pillman Jr. The We Can't Wrestle podcast is a podcast about wrestling and a bunch of guys that don't know how to do it. But I, Brian Pillman Jr., I'm very good at pro wrestling, so I don't need to start a podcast called the We Can't Wrestle Podcast, but I'll gladly put my name on the brand. I'll gladly go on the line to say that the We Can't Wrestle Podcast is one of the most informative, most balanced, non-biased podcasts out there. Thank you very much, and have a good listen. All right, wrestling fans, welcome back. We are back on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate and Aaron here with you. Just got Aaron's hot take on the modern product going on right now. So any uh, response you have to that, you can post that underneath the posting of this on the uh, Facebook group or what have you. Um, we love to get your feedback. And speaking of feedback, for our next segment, I did make a post on Facebook for anybody that wanted to uh, put their thoughts in. Because we're going to talk about top 10, our top 10 favorite best workers 
in the history of wrestling. Not necessarily our favorite wrestlers, but our top ten, you know, bell to bell, the psychology, making this shit look real, professional wrestlers. And I am going to let Aaron go first, but before I do, if you have not yet, join our Facebook group. Lots of interaction with the uh, the hosts of the show, and um, and lots going on there. Also, check out, subscribe, click, link, subscribe to our YouTube page, because there are going to be some things going on on the YouTube page this year that will not be on Facebook, will not be on this podcast. Um, so stay tuned for that as well, and watch We Can't Wrestle Live every Sunday, 10.30 p.m. on the Facebook group and the YouTube page. And I know Aaron... Once your work schedule changes later this year, you will be participating in We Can't Wrestle Live as well. Yes, that'll be about mid-year, July or August, hopefully. Um, Another big announcement. I don't know what our plans were for um, WrestleMania Sunday, Mm -hmm. but I will be off for that. So whatever the plans were for that, I will be... As long as the plan for WrestleMania, whatever we do, is taped or live on the Sunday of WrestleMania, I will be involved in it. Yes, and what will probably happen? What will probably happen with WrestleMania? To be honest, because I want to watch the show, um, is throughout the show we may go Facebook Live with all of you, and uh, you know, during certain parts of the show, just to comment on it or what have you. We probably won't be live the whole time because. No, oh, no, I don't have eight hours to just talk <laughs> on. It. I'm just saying, whatever we're doing, I will be involved in that. Um, so, yes. Um, and Aaron, so as, as, as you as you oh, may or may, as you may or may not have saw last Sunday, I want to thank Chris Wood for being a special guest. I saw his picture. So. I'm making money when you guys are recording, so I can't watch it. <laughs> Um. So who's starting? Yeah, I'll let you go first. All right, I have a list of ten people, or obviously. Um, so I will start with the first man on my list is, um, whatever you want to call him. He's a man of many different names, but every one of them ends in Regal. I'm talking about William Stephen Regal, and he is also on my list. So we'll take now him. he's not. <laughs> he's still there, but we're, we're only going to talk about him once. We won't talk about him multiple times. This guy, this guy. <laughs> I mean, for you go from wrestling prowess to making everything look realistic, um, facial expressions. Uh, William Regal is the ultimate professional wrestler. Yeah, and... and- he, um, I was going to say something that maybe like people are going to think is weird, but of his generation, you're going to think I'm silly. Okay. Do you know who he reminds me of, of like his generation? Who's that? I think he should, I think he should be looked at. On the same level as Bobby Heenan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he never really did commentary, but just for believability, physical comedy, facial expressions, putting him in any situation you want to put him in, 
he could make himself look foolish, but he could also make other people look stupid. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's a guy, like I said, he never did commentaries. Well, did he do commentary? Yeah, he did commentary. Yeah, yeah, I mean, from time to time. He dabbled in it. But I just think he, he any situation you put the guy in, he did fantastic. All around, all around amazing performer. I mean, even, yeah. even little things, you know, like I always, I, I know I've brought this up a few times on the show, but one of the, one of the funniest things to me ever that I've seen in wrestling is a random WWE, like 2004 or 2005 pay-per-view when he was with Eugene and he plays got your nose with Eugene at the end of the match, you know, just little things that Regal did or, yeah. um, when he was when he was with, <laughs> and I know we're we're getting out of the in ring stuff, damn it. But when he was, you know, the the little uh, the green room or whatever with Vince and Jonathan Coachman and the crime time and all that at SummerSlam, or yeah. and and into matches, you know, I mean, the guy. I don't know if I've other than possibly when you know in the late nineties when he was having his drug problems and everything and he was overweight. He was still good in the ring. Yeah, but I don't know that I've ever I was gonna say I don't know that I've ever seen a William Regal match that wasn't almost perfection. Like even with poor opponents, William Regal could could pull a yeah. good match out of him. He had a he good was match one with Prince best... Iakea for God's sake. He was one of the best things going in WCW in the late in the early nineties and yeah. He's great. Whether you put him in the ring with uh, Steamboat, Austin, Dustin, Zabisco, uh, Zabisco, all the way up to putting him in the ring with La Resistance, you know, honing new talent and teaching new guys. Uh, yeah, yeah, like he had a feud that nobody ever talks about, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Lord Steven Regal versus Sting. Yeah, it was a throwaway ninety-five. Like, like 95 like one pay-per-view feud or whatever but it was a cool one like it started just because like the guys like like regal just backhanded him yeah and sting sold it like a fucking ton of bricks <laughs> but it was like it, like you could tell that Sting, like steve Borden really respected steve like steve regal and sold it like a like a shotgun blast mm-hmm. but it was really good and i like the guy from the time he got into WCW to the time he re- he in ring retired, was one of the most entertaining people you'd ever see on a card. And a very consistent performer, bell to bell. Yeah. And if you want to see that Sting match, it's Great American Bash '95. One of the good things about 1995 in WCW. Um, but yeah, Regal and and I mean, again, like I said, just. Uh, the way he, the way his facial expressions sold, um, the way he reacted to things, the chain wrestling, the uh, just bell to bell. I agree, one of the best workers of all time. All right. Anything else yeah, to say well, about Regal? Uh, Regal even had a good match with that big headed Antonio <laughs> Noki. That guy might have done something good in his career, but I never saw it. I never was a fan of that fucking guy. <laughs> his own shit, motherfucker. And again, this show is our show, so it's our opinions. And, you know, there's probably people out there that are going to, when we say our list, they're going to be like, well, what about this guy from Japan? I don't know. 
I don't watch a ton of Japanese wrestling. I'm gonna be honest with you. Fuck, I got so much time. I, I got so much time in my life. Anyway, <laughs> so the first the first guy I'm That's gonna my excuse sometimes with Japanese wrestling. <laughs> what? That's my excuse sometimes with Japanese wrestling. <laughs> the Huh? That you only have so much time in your life? <laughs> oh, you didn't hear what I said when no, people I were didn't. like, well, what about, what about so-and-so over in Japan? They're like, well, I don't live there. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Maybe if I live there. So the first guy I'm going to mention here, and, and I didn't really put these in any kind of order. I, I mean, I, I, didn't. I, I will... I will I will emphasize how great they were when I get to them on the list, just to emphasize. But nobody in our Facebook group, in the comments they made on my post, mentioned this guy. And I don't know why. Because we're talking bell to bell here. Making a match look real. Selling. uh, Making me believe what I'm watching. One of the best workers of all time is Jerry Lawler. Jerry Lawler almost made it on my list. Jerry Lawler. Jerry Lawler. Lawler. (laughs) Might be the most realistic ever. Um, Because he looked the way he looked. And he never did anything outside of... He never never did anything that did... How do I put this? Lawler, you got to put it carefully, what you're going to say. Lawler never did anything outside of the way he looks, but he did everything he did f- perfectly. And and I'm not I'm not using this as a negative towards him because mm-hmm. I understand it. Mm-hmm. But you know what I you know what I think a lot of what might hurt Lawler is what's that? Is that a lot of his career was in Memphis? Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I understand. And people like you or me, or who, and probably people like the people listening to this podcast, go out of their way to find this Memphis stuff and everything. But, and I'm not knocking the guy because he didn't do anything that nobody else ever did. But when he got to the WWF, he didn't work like Jerry Lawler, right? You know what I mean? Like he yeah, would and, do the and, the the exaggerated bumps mm-hmm. and the cart like the cartoony king stuff. And I'm not knocking it. I'm not one of these people like, he was great until he went to the WWF. That's always their quote. <laughs> he was great till he went to the WWF. I've heard people being like, Kurt Hennig sucked once he got to the WWF. <laughs> that, that gets fuck a big you. fuck you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> fuck you. I've actually heard people say that. Go suck a dick. <laughs> But no, I see what you're saying, and, and kind of, I guess my my opinion rests more in Memphis, because as anybody that listens to the show knows, like, I've watched as much Memphis as I possibly can in my life. It's my favorite territory, and Lawler's a big reason for that. Like, and again, like I said, he never, like, when he connect, Lawler's great with, with, with his, even with his voice. You know, like, he'd connect with a punch, and like anybody in a real bar fight might, I would hit some guy in the jaw, and and not only would that guy hurt, but I would too, so I'd be like, ah! And Lawler would do that. You know, just the little things that he did. And you want to watch amazing wrestling psychology, 
watch Jerry Lawler and a guy that I didn't put on my list, and it's a crime that I didn't, but watch Jerry Lawler and Terry Funk wrestle each other. Yeah. It's, it's and... pure perfection. It, every bit of it looks real. That's the point. It looks real. And another thing, and I know this is going to sound silly, but another good, um, I don't even want to say it, like, um, I almost said indictment, but that wouldn't be the right word. That would be a bad thing. Lawler's had those too. Yeah, he's had those. <laughs> um, another good thing that would add to like the credibility of Jerry Lawler and him being on anybody's list is... I was watching a thing with um, the click, okay? Mm-hmm. Like the entire click. Not just like Kevin Ash and Scott Hall or Sean and Triple H. Like all of them. Right. And every single member of the click was like, Jerry Lawler's the shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's people in the click that, that liked Brett, but didn't like Brett. Mm-hmm. Or, um,. Like Ric Flair, but don't like Ric Flair. You know, like right. you know, Kevin Nash doesn't like Ric Flair. Ric Flair doesn't like Kevin Nash. So obviously, neither one of them are going to put each other over. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But every single one of them was like Jerry Lawler's the fucking man. So if you can get that group of guys to not say a bad goddamn thing about you or the work that you do, right? <laughs> if, if the click ain't burying, if the click ain't burying you, you're probably pretty good. <laughs> yeah, you're unbearable. <laughs> And like it's like you're, Lawler, like you're like Ron Simmons, you're unfuckable. Yeah, you're unfuckable. <laughs> and, and Lawler lived in the same realm of what they always said Dusty Rhodes would say: "Don't do shit you don't know how to do." Mm-hmm. And he never did. And he was always entertaining. He's still entertaining. Every once in a while, you still you get a you get a glimmer of what Jerry Lawler used to be. And yeah, Lawler almost made my list. There's a guy I'll tell you who when I get there that I that I put on there instead of Jerry Lawler. Okay. So who is next on your list? Um, let's go with uh, Fit Finley. I have Finley on my list as well. Well, take him off. <laughs> um, you talk about psychology. Um, and much in the same vein as Regal, being able to get into a match and make what you're doing or what the guy doing, the, what the other guy is doing to you, look ultra realistic. Um, Finley's almost up there with Regal on that. You know, they're like neck and neck. Um, but Finley, I think even more. Finley, I think was even a better psychologist than Regal. Yeah. Regal, how do I want to say it? Like, it was it was better. It was the same but different. Should like Regal still had great psychology and still so, but but he'd have a little bit of, and he'll even admit it, a little bit of comedy to it. Right. You know what I mean? Like like he liked the British comedy and like the pratfalls and the sight gags and shit like that. You know. And he's he's came out and it just admitted it that he took from these guys. Mm-hmm. Where Finley did, Finley shit was uh, there wasn't any comedy to it, right? 
Anyway, just bare Until bones. Late, like when he got with Little Bastard and all that shit. Yeah, there was funny stuff in there or whatever. But when you go back and watch this shit from Europe, and then you watch this shit when he came over here, there wasn't any funny to what Fit Finley was doing. It was badass shit, you know? Yeah. And, and <clears throat> he... A lot of times, like, when I say this guy's a great worker, is I've seen the guy have good matches with people that didn't have good matches. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. Fit Finley, like, Fit Finley could have a good he match. Had, he had good matches with Brian Knobs. He had a good match with uh, fucking Van Hammer. <laughs> like, Brian Knobs and Van Hammer didn't have good matches. <laughs> the, nasty, the Nasty Boys had great matches. Right. But Brian Knobs did not have good matches, but he would have good matches with Fit Finley. Yes. You know? I've just seen him pull a rabbit out of his hat with guys that it shouldn't, this shouldn't have been good, but it was. And just the knowledge of doing shit that other people wouldn't, like when he slipped on that blood on that one pay-per-view. Yeah. Or whatever. It was a SmackDown actually, but yes. Like, nobody else would have done that. No. This fucking guy knew to do it. And he is just, he's a, he's awesome in my opinion. Bobby, and I think the guy, I think the guy could go out there now Bobby, and still do it. Bobby Lashley is not the most charismatic guy in the world, but he's a really, really good bell-to-bell pro wrestler. And I want to tell each and every one of you to go back and watch... 2006 WWE Smackdown and tell me that Bobby Lashley did not learn so much working with Fit Finley you know what I mean like yeah. Fit Finley took this guy who was green as grass Basher Lashley or whatever his name was in the indies and turned him into a, a main event superstar like, that feud in and of itself transformed Bobby Lashley, and that's because he worked with that guy. He's also, Finley's also one of my favorite, like, fuck you moments. Because, like, when WWF or WWE was, like, when they first played, like, the first Finley vignettes, where it's like, I'm Finley and I like the fight, mm-hmm. you know? Everybody was like, oh, why are they bringing Finley back? Oh, that's stupid. Oh. <laughs> oh. They bring him back and they're like, holy shit. They should have brought him back a long time ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you remember that? There yes. was like that ground spell of people being like, Finley sucks. Why are they bringing him? Like, like, no, that dude was fucking awesome. My name is Finley and you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> you can go fuck yourself. And, and... And then, like, like even at the end of his career, he got to show that, yeah, I said, you know, he was serious in the ring and everything like that. But then he was able to be, show that he could be silly and he could be fun and still, still be good in the ring. And, and, and people can say what they want to say, but being cute and funny is part of working. Yes. Like, working isn't just being in the ring and doing it and, and having a great match mm-hmm. or having a good working is being able to take a crowd 
and take them and have them invest their their emotions, whatever they be, into you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And that's why so. the that's why the next guy I'm going to mention. I I am taking. And again, there's going to be people out there who who listen maybe, and go, "Well, you didn't mention Lou Thez. Oh, fuck, fuck's sake! I'm 41 years old. I didn't watch. I not that I've never seen a Lou Thez match, but I, you know what I mean. Like Lou Thez, I, I didn't watch Lou Thez. Anyway, um, the next guy that I'm going to mention, and this is what I'm talking about: capturing. You talked about capturing people and, and getting people into your match, getting people into what's going on with you. Bell to bell, people being captivated with what you're doing in the ring. And a lot of people probably will say, uh, we don't want to talk about this guy. But if you're going to have this discussion, you have to bring up Chris Benoit. Yeah. Well, like I said, we don't have to talk to We don't talk to him. We don't have to talk about him for too long. Right. But because, I mean... Because- Anytime you get into more than like a three minute conversation about Chris Benoit, it gets back to what I don't want to talk about with Chris Benoit. Exactly. But I'm tired of talking about it. Bell to bell. Not talk. Not tired of talking about him. Tired of talking about it. Right. But bell to bell. And Nate, you you've known me my entire life, mm-hmm. and you know this about me. At one time. Who was I always saying, this is the fucking best wrestler in the world, and this is my favorite wrestler? Chris Benoit. He's, and, and I'm never going to be able to be like, oh, well, I don't like him anymore. You know, I don't right. like the man. Right, right. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, that's why. The man, is, the man is a piece of shit, and whatever happens to you after you're gone, Whatever terrible thing happens to you after you're gone because of what you did when you were here, he's deserving everything he gets. Mm -hmm. But I will still watch Chris Benoit's matches and be entertained by the match. Yes. And, I mean, you watch the the way the man applies a move. You watch the way the man sells a move. And it's not his greatest performance, but I just want to reiterate something that, that might resonate with with um, both old school and new school fans, watch the first Money in the Bank match. Watch Chris Benoit sell that chair shot. And again, that's not the highlight of his career. It's just something that is in the top of my head that says, look at how realistic everything this guy did. And he was one of the first guys, and he might not be the first guy that did it, but he's one of the first guys that I ever saw do it where he sold the move, the impactful move that he did. Yes. Yeah, the the headbutt. Like if he did a headbutt, or it wasn't even just a headbutt. Like if he dove off the top rope for anything, if it was something like it would be with his, like an elbow or an arm or something, like he would sell that, yeah, that hurt my arm too, but it fucked this guy up more. Because he didn't know it was coming. Right. You know? And, um, yeah, Chris Benoit in the ring was fantastic. Yes. And we will move on to your next one. Okay. My, my list is digital and it closed, so I have to open it back <laughs> up. 
mean, I know who's on my list, but I'm just trying to decide who I want to go with next. And it's interesting that we talked about Chris Benoit because the next guy on my list is Dean Malenko. All right. He wasn't on my list, but he, fan. he was close. I know you're not as big of a fan as I am of him. But Dean Malenko, <laughs> I just, bell to bell, it's hard to find somebody better. And I know there's a lot of people, oh, he's boring, or he's this, that, and the other thing. Nah, he wasn't boring. There's people who think Dean Malenko was boring. But see, we're talking, I I can see if somebody would say that if they were talking about as an all-around performer. Like, as far as promos, or this or that. But if we're talking about in-ring, bell-to-bell, best worker, are are you kidding me? I mean, and again, he's not on my list here, um, but... He w- he would be in a top twenty. I mean, there's there's no doubt. Like Ben Benoit Malenko, those two guys. I mean, just watch them wrestle each other. You you've you've almost next to never yeah. seen a more real looking wrestling match. And then people talk about like WCW's cruiserweight division. Mm-hmm. Okay, which was fucking fantastic. Okay, like until it got to be in just. Whoever was the cruiserweight, like to me, like the NWO was cool and everything, but that cruiserweight division to me was the coolest thing WCW ever did. Right in that era, during the Monday Night War era, that was the coolest thing. Um, but people talk about like, oh, you wouldn't have a cruiserweight division if it wasn't for like a Rey Mysterio. I disagree with that. I don't think you could have had a cruiserweight division without Dean Malenko. And I agree, because as much as you know, and everybody that listens knows, as much a fan as I am of Lucha, in an American cruiserweight division, you have to have somebody to slow shit down. You know? To make it... And and, and that was that was the best... When he was booked in the W, and this is one thing I'm going to give to to Bischoff or whoever was booking it. When he was booked in the WCW Cruiserweight division, that was the best Dean Malenko was ever booked. Because he was, he was the guy that was in the Cruiserweight division. He was in that weight division. But he slowed things down. He was like the, the, the. He was like the the monster heel of a cruiserweights. Is that stupid for me to say that or No. Like do you see what I'm saying? Like does it make sense? Yeah, like I'm saying, he was like the badass of the cruiserweights. Right. And it's like, oh, you're gonna flip flop and fly and do your little thing or whatever. Well, you know what? I'm gonna hit you with a fucking forearm. Here's a hammerlock, motherfucker. <laughs> and I'm gonna hammerlock you motherfucker. <laughs> Try to get out of this. You know? And and he was just he was great, and I'm a huge fan of Dean Malenko, and I still am, and I've heard people talk about how they just didn't like him, or they look back at him now, and he, whatever, I think he's fantastic, and I think he should go down, if you were going to make, like, a top 30 list, like, if I would make a top 30 list of my favorite wrestlers ever, Dean Malenko would be on there, I love Dean Malenko. Now, the next one that I have is... And I've also heard that he's really funny, so that helps, too. Since I, since I do all the work to produce the show, 
And... Best, best joke I heard Dean Malenko ever... Well, I, should, I didn't hear him say it. Okay. But this is my favorite Dean Malenko joke. Alright. Chris Jericho said he and Dean Malenko were at a strip club. And one of the strippers was so skinny, Dean Malenko said, I don't know if I should give Tipper a dollar or a food stamp. <laughs> the funny joke but go ahead <laughs> well since I since I um and, and everybody that know, that listens knows that I do this from time to time <clears throat> since I produce the show do all the work since I pay for the server for the show <laughs> every once in a while when we have a top 10 I cheat and I'll say I have a tie and I reserve the right to do that I and, do work and and I <laughs> Yes, and you reserve the right to have a tie, too. But I have a tie for a a spot here on my list, and it's because of the reason that I put them on the list. Because you have believable wrestlers who do ground-pounding moves. You have believable wrestlers who sell well. You have believable... And that's where I'm getting to here. These two guys, I think, are two of the best workers ever because of how they sell. Because of how they sell a beat down, because they ha- how they sell a move, because they ha- of how they sell the big guy kicking their ass. The Rock and Roll Express. It's 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 half the Rock and Roll Express. I give the nod in this in this spot as a tie between Ricky Morton and Shawn Michaels. All right. I don't I know. I don't know that you find two better guys to sell than these two guys. They're both amazing. Yeah. And and I just I couldn't I couldn't pick between the two of them, so I just made them a tie in this respect. I'll give you that. Um they'd be on my list of like probably like the Top five sellers mm-hmm. of all time. Um, let me see here as I scroll through. Just we finally got to somebody that one of our listeners mentioned, Nick Francis. Um, you? This is an underrated seller. Nobody ever talks about it. Who's that? Hulk Hogan. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Hulk Hogan. People made, say Hogan Hulk was Hulk, selfish. No, Hogan, Hogan made it. Hogan's matches. Ninety percent of his matches, he's selling. Hogan made a career out of selling. Ninety percent of his shit, he's selling. Well, Nick Francis mentioned HBK. Archie Mitchell mentioned mentioned HBK. Francis uh, and John Majewski mentioned HBK. So those guys have them on their list of best workers or have HBK. Nobody else had Morton, but I tie Morton and Michaels just because of the salesmanship. All right. It's my turn. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of interesting that you talked about those guys. Well, more Ricky Morton, because the next guy on my list as a great worker is Bobby Eaton. Oh yeah. He's not on my list, but I agree. Should be. <laughs> Bob Eaton was the guy that, tell me a time you saw Bob Eaton have a shitty match. I can't. You can't, because it never happened. It didn't happen. Like, it absolutely didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. That was pretty matter of fact. 
I, I, I'm not disagreeing. <laughs> I've seen Bobby. Know, I've seen Bobby. Eaton. What I said was kind of anticlimactic. <laughs> <laughs> didn't happen. Like, well, I mean, we're talking about bell to bell. I've seen Bobby Eaton look <laughs> look longingly into a camera and not know what the fuck to say. But I've oh, never. No, I've that. never. Fuck, he can't I've, cut a promo to I, save his ass. <laughs> I've never seen Bobby Eaton between the ro- ropes and not have an amazing match. He can't cut a promo to save his ass, and he doesn't look like a million bucks. But it doesn't matter because when the guy's in the ring, he looks fan. He does a fantastic job, and he makes the people that he's in the ring look fantastic. Mm-hmm. And he, like a lot of times, people talk about like, "Oh, who's the greatest tag team wrestler of all time?" Bobby Eaton doesn't get talked about enough. No, about being a fantastic. Like he should be in the. Like, how do I, like, I know we talk about the Midnight Express, but Bobby Eaton just doesn't get talked to talked about enough as just being as great as he is, and that's because he didn't like you know set the world on fire with a fan like a fantastic physique and a great promo mm-hmm. and all that shit. So he gets kind of pushed aside, I think, and he's recognized. He's a guy that's recognized by his peers. And, like, hardcore wrestling fans, but doesn't get enough attention because of the fact that he was, I don't want to say he was a background player, but he was a background player. Yeah, he was the heater. And 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 that's why he doesn't get talked about enough. And, I like, when you're out there with Jim Cornette... Just Jim Cornette itself, you're not going to get a lot of attention. Right. When Jim Cornette's talking. But now you're out there with Jim Cornette, and you're out there with Stan Lane. A ball of charisma. And and a fantastic-looking physique, you know? Or Dennis Condry, who was all around an amazing performer for his time. Yeah, but, but Bobby Eaton was consistently great, and is somebody that I think should be celebrated more than what he is. I agree. So the next guy I'll bring up is the most modern... The Blue Bloods are an underrated tag team. What's that? The Blue Bloods are an underrated tag team. They are absolutely an underrated tag team. The coolest thing they did, you know my favorite thing they did was? What's that? Like, Sir Robert, the Earl of Eaton, or whatever. He was trying to act all proper and shit. Mm-hmm. But my favorite thing was Regal would smack Jeeves around. And then Bobby Eaton was like, like help him up. You know, be like, yeah. all right, man. Yeah, it's all right, man. <laughs> like, like, he respected Jeeves. Jeeves trying to make a buck, you know what I mean? Like, like I get it, brother. I get it. Like, like, like he could eat the crumpets, and he could drink the tea... And he could do all, like, wear the, the the ascots or whatever you want to call it, you know. But, yeah, he wasn't down with smacking Jeeves around. So he's trying to make a buck, man. Smacking him in his powdered wig you make him wear. Yeah, it's like, you know, <laughs> man. He's trying to make a buck. I always, I always appreciated that little bit of the Blue Bloods shit. It was always funny to me. So, so go the, ahead, sorry. The next guy I have to give credit to for being one of the greatest bell-to-bell workers of all time is Bret Hart. Bret Hart was on. That's the first guy you knocked off my list. 
Well, bread is definitely on my list, and before we go into our our reasonings, Steve Salmonson commented, Bret Hart never had a bad match. Um, and then also, let me see who else had Bret. John Majewski had Bret as well on his list. Bret Hart. Um, this guy... captured my imagination as a kid. And in that era, as a WWF kid, I'll be honest, as a WWF kid, in the in the 80s and early 90s, nobody was more real to me than Bret Hart. For all the cartoon that the WWF was, Brett was the most real of the real. You know, other than uh, another guy that's on my list. But anyway, Brett was right up there. And and Brett made you believe everything he did in the ring. And the, the thing that I think makes him one of the best workers ever, if you're talking about wrestling being a work, is he, did, he didn't injure anybody else. And he rarely got injured himself until later. Um, but just for being a, for bell to bell being one of the best ever, I've never seen a bad Bret Hart match. I'm there with you. And like I said, I put Bret on my list for a lot of the same reasons as he never had a shitty match ever. Mm -mm. Um, he did something that. I think um, people sometimes knock, and I don't think it should be knocked as much in the fact that he would know what he was doing before he went out there. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people can knock that. But you know what? He knew what he was going to do before he went out there. And you just you said something earlier that he didn't get hurt. And he didn't hurt anybody else. Exactly. And part of that has to probably do with the fact that he had a general idea of this is what we're going to do when we get out there. And we're not talking about modern wrestling scripting here, folks. Yeah, it's like, I get your beats, you're here. Then I'm here. You're here. Then I'm here. You're here. Then I'm here. You know what I mean? Yeah. You plan. Uh, a, you plan a high spot or two. Yeah. And um, there's a guy that I didn't put on my list, and now that I'm thinking about it, I should have. How many times did you hear about Randy Savage having like an injury that put him out for a year? Never. Never. <laughs> because he he planned his shit out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can't tell me that Hulk Hogan didn't plan his shit out ahead of time. And he didn't have a lot of career shortening or career debilitating injuries because he, he, he had an idea of what he was going to do when he went out there. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't fault people for that. Right, and you mentioned... And, Brett, and, and, and honestly, there were people that Brett had to do that with. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think Bret Hart 
being as meticulous as he was with his shit that he wanted to do would have been able, if he wasn't like that, he wouldn't have got the matches he got out of Kevin Nash. No. No. Know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like, let's go out there and we'll just, we'll just wing it, Kev. It'll be alright. It wouldn't have been alright. No, but he mapped it out. And, you know, and th- and that's why Kevin Nash's best matches, and I'm not digging on Kevin Nash. It is what it is. He, he was born with, he was born with any... What do I want to say? He was born with the limitations he was born with, just like the rest of us. Yeah. Um, but Nash's matches, his best matches, were with people like a Brett or a Sean or a Rey Mysterio that could help him plan something that would work to his strengths. And yeah. and Nash's best matches are with Bret Hart, in my opinion. Oh, hands down. Um, you said something about Savage. He's not on my list either um, for this category. Uh, but see, uh, just to just to give these guys some props, Steve Samuelson and John Majewski mentioned Randy Savage on their lists on Facebook. Dig it. Um. So we've talked about Brett. Who you got? The next guy on my list would be the guy that I think, um, was the first guy in the WWF that fucking showed people what Brett could do when it wasn't a tag team. Okay. You want to guess who it is? DiBiase? Yep. The Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. And John Majewski also said Million Dollar Man. And I'm regretful that I did not put him on my list, guys. I'm regretful you didn't either. (laughs) And he's a guy that... I can say that whether it was him beating a jobber or him main eventing a pay-per-view or him going into a Survivor Series match that at the end of it shouldn't be anything that steals the show, but guess what it fucking does? Yes, it does. Is tell me a bad Ted DiBiase match. Ted DiBiase in the state of Alabama. Just being a shit. Um, I can't. I really can't. Ted DiBiase was was in the eighties and early nineties. He was that guy. He was that guy that was going to have a good match with anybody, including the Ultimate Fucking Warrior. Killing it. Yep. I can. And, I cannot and, disagree at all. And he's also a guy that. Hell, you want to talk about being a worker? He worked his gimmick mm-hmm. everywhere he went, and um, I just, I just think that Teddy B. If, if Teddy Biasi isn't on somebody's at least, at least somebody's top fifteen favorite wrestlers of all time list, not even just workers, just wrestlers, they're, they're a fucking idiot, and he. He's he, he was one of the greatest gimmicks of all time, yeah, hands down. If not, if he's he's in the top five greatest gimmicks of all time, bell to bell though. And I know, I know, still in the top bell to bell. Yeah, and th- he's still, this was he's, this was a hard list. This was a hard list for a wrestling fan to make. So, um, 
So next for me is uh, the most modern on my list, I guess. And you said it earlier when you were talking about Raw. <laughs> the best wrestler of his generation, Randy Orton. Yep. You didn't I didn't put him on my list, but Randy's fantastic. Randy is is the master of psychology, the master of in-ring presence, the master of making a match look as real, and not even just the match, everything around it, the promos, the everything leading up to it, and then you get to Bell to Bell. Randy, Randy is, I, I don't know how many times I've watched Randy Orton wrestle live in person at a house show, a number of times, Aaron's been with me. We have watched Randy Orton wrestle on a show that isn't even televised. And you watch Randy Orton, and you can't take your eyes off of it because everything looks fucking real. The guy is am—he's amazing. And I didn't watch, and this isn't hating on Cowboy Bob, because I love Cowboy Bob too. And I didn't watch Bob Orton Sr. I'm not 100 years old. But I think Randy's better than his dad. And, and that's not even hating on Bob. That, and, his dad. In, in no his way. Dad, his dad thinks Randy Orton's better than his dad. <laughs> well, all right then. I mean, Randy is just natural. It's, it's, I've never seen any, any wrestler more natural at being a wrestler, I guess. There's, there's, no, be- there's no better... How do I... I shouldn't say there's no better second-generation wrestler... Randy Orton would be in the top three second, gener- second generation wrestlers ever. Absolutely. I know he's a third generation wrestler, but I can't attest to, like you said, I can't talk about Bob Orton Sr. never seen a Bob Orton Sr. match. No. But he's better than Bob Orton Jr. Like I said, Bob Orton Jr. has said it. Mm-hmm. He's, he's better than me. I'm begging you, he's man. He's better than your granddad. <laughs> and um, like the only reason I would, I, the only reason I can't say that he's the greatest second generation wrestler of all time is because then I'd be admitting that Randy Savage isn't. <laughs> Randy Savage is my favorite wrestler, so I've had a hard time doing that. Right. But, but yeah, Randy Orton should he should be on somebody's list. He's well, not on mine. He's on mine, and I appreciate you for it. <laughs> So who's next on your list? Uh, the next guy on my list is Brad Armstrong. All right. This is another guy that I know is going to be people going to be like, huh? But Nate can attest that when I was a kid, I loved me some Brad. Like like as a little guy. I always just I loved Brad Armstrong. Yeah. Always loved Brad Armstrong. Brad Armstrong was is one of my favorite wrestlers and they never did anything with him other than like well I shouldn't say they never did anything with him. He was a guy that if he just would have if he just would have had just a little bit more charisma I think would have been a bigger star 
in the business. When like he did absolutely nothing wrong in the ring. He's also one of those guys that you hear all the time that when the when the light wasn't on, <laughs> he was super entertaining. Yeah. And out of that family, out of that family, who none of them are terrible. Mm-hmm. None of them. None of them are horrible. None of them are bad. No. But but out of that family, he's the best. He looked the best. Bell to bell, I would agree with that. Bell to bell, he was the best in the ring. It was just the fact that he could not project it personality-wise. It's, it's, un- it's almost unfortunate because it's like in the DNA... Road Dog got the personality, the on-screen personality, and Brad yeah. got Brad got the uh, the the bell to bell ability. I mean, <laughs> if you would have been able to combine those two, you might have had a world yeah. champion on your hands. If you could put like Road Dog's personality on Brad Armstrong's body, there wouldn't have been no touch in that motherfucker. <laughs> right? Yeah. Vice exactly. <laughs> and vice versa. You know, but to me. I just I I wish I wish Brad Armstrong would have got a better shake. Mm-hmm. And you could like, see it. You could cool. see it. the most I ever saw it. The most I ever saw uh, not not the bell to bell, but the most I ever saw the personality with him. Like my favorite piece of Brad Armstrong business is his feud with Pillman. That's what I was going to say. That feud with Brian Pillman is fantastic. Yes, absolutely. And, and it was. It was more memorable because, at the time, honestly, it was more memorable because Brad was hurt. Mm-hmm. So Brad had to do some personality type stuff. Right. You know what I mean? So, but anyway, I, I just—he's a guy that I've I've never seen Brad Armstrong have a shitty match. And if somebody can show me one, I'll, I'll give him a dollar. Buy that. So, Eric, who is next on your list? I think we might get be getting into that air up there where we're going to bring up the same people. So, Oh, maybe. Might be surprised. Surprise, surprise, surprise. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, the next guy on my list is... Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Double A. Double A Arn Anderson. <laughs> I'm not not editing that out. No, I'm not editing that out. (laughs) Aaron's butt makes a a special appearance. (laughs) And you know what? I didn't put Arn on my list because I knew you would. And he should be on anybody's list. That guy, um, I mean, what, what can you, what can... What argument could somebody give you to say what, that Arn Anderson do should that be on this? <laughs> do you know what I'm saying, though? Yeah, no. Like, I don't. I don't mean to toot Arn's hand, Arn's horn. I didn't mean to toot my own horn either, but I did earlier. <laughs> I don't mean to toot Arn's horn, but toot toot. <laughs> <laughs> he he's. He was one of the best, if, and and 
anybody that, like I said, anybody that could say, oh, you're wrong for having him on his on your list nope. or on any list can just go fuck themselves. If we're talking bell-to-bell psychology, selling, um, getting heat, just bell-to-bell, I would... I would rank him over Ric Flair. And yeah. I'm, I'm not hating on... Again, folks, this list is not about who our favorites are. This is about who are the best in-ring, bell-to-bell psychologists making a match look real. Um, maybe even not capturing your imagination. But, yeah, I would rank Arn over Rick in that respect. And that's Ric Flair's not on my list either. And Ric Flair's like. He's your favorite wrestler of all time. Yeah, he's my second favorite wrestler of all time. Randy Savage is my favorite wrestler of all time. Because we both, in our age, as we get older, have agreed on that. Randy's the best of all time. <laughs> but I just. I even think that um, if you go with Bell to Bell and just putting in the work and going in the ring and doing his thing. Ric Flair would probably tell you that Arn was better than him. Right. He wouldn't tell you on camera. <laughs> you know. But I bet sitting down in person just talking, Ric Flair's probably said that about Arn Anderson before. Absolutely. Um, watch Arn against Dustin. Or... I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of of rivalries that Arn had. You know, it's funny because Arn always had really short-lived rivalries. You know what I'm saying? Like Arn doesn't necessarily have a rivalry that sticks out in my mind, but his body of work sticks out in my mind. Yeah. I mean, watch Arn against anybody. Anybody. And it was always good. And I mean, the only thing you could ever say that probably wasn't any good was this shit with Renegade, but how's it going to be? <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. But, but what shows he's a good worker is he was told, this is the job you're given, and he said, okay, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to make the best of it. Do, you it, know? do it to it. Yeah. And... and I think he's a credit to the business because you never hear anybody go, Arn Anderson was a piece of shit. Absolutely. Or Arn Anderson, I can't believe that time that Arn Anderson refused to put this person over. Or Arn Anderson said he wouldn't go out there and do this unless we gave him this. Mm-hmm. And he should be a credit to the business and the fact that the guy did business. He did his job. Absolutely. So the next guy on my list, I don't know if anybody could ever deny. Probably the most legit wrestler ever. And like a duck to water, I don't think anybody could could say that this guy was not bell to bell, one of the best of all time workers, Kurt Angle. Can't deny it. Kurt Angle was amazing. Is amazing. From the minute he got in there. What's that? From the minute he got in there. Oh, yeah. Like, just a duck to fucking water. Um, and uh, 
he's another guy where I don't know, even though, uh, you know, last year at WrestleMania I was pissed that he lost to Baron Corbin. Fuck Baron Corbin. Um, and that That's a company decision. But even then, he made Baron Corbin look good. Like, Kurt Angle's just uh, the most natural, you know, just... I, I don't know. I, I don't even know how to describe his greatness bell to bell in the ring. He was just an amazing performer. Um, everything looked real, whether he was selling or giving. Um, Angle wound up being, to me, one of the best workers of all time. Like, I, I hear, I hear old guys talk about Danny Hodge or, um, or. Did Gable ever wrestle professionally, or was it just Olympic? I think he wrestled professionally. All right, so I hear I hear old guys talk about those guys, a Danny Hodge or a Dan Gable, and I think, well, I'm I'm pretty sure, even though I haven't seen enough, that that Kurt Angle was probably the Hodge Gable of this era of wrestling. And and you can also say this about Kurt Angle too, is that. You talk about the old guys. He's one of the guys that the old guys always point out. Yes. When they're either talking on like an interview, mm-hmm. or and I know people dog the WWE Hall of Fame, but when they're up there getting put into the WWE Hall of Fame, they are talking and they're saying, "There's the greats that are sitting out there right now, looking at me. You guys are the best." Now and they always like it's like John Cena, Stone Cold, Kurt Angle. You know what I mean? He's yeah. always always in that list. He's always in the conversation. And, yeah, and these guys are like these are the guys that I'm an old fuck now. I'm up here talking to you guys. This is this is one of the guys that I recognize as being the best. And to me, one of the greatest rivalries ever that doesn't get talked about enough, I guess. Um, is is Austin an angle? Like that that at the end, quote unquote, end of the the you know the boom era or the attitude era or what have you when when you had the ECW, WCW, WWF, um, Angle and Austin was so good, just so good yeah. and so entertaining. Um, but yeah, yeah, like I said, Angle. Right there on my list. So who's next on your list, bro? Uh, the next guy on my list is um, Rugged Ronnie Garvin. He went up the, like the challenger, I guess. <laughs> He's not the next guy on my list. The next guy on my list <laughs> To get a reaction and it got nothing. Um, that was like the Pritchard uh, um, Batista's the, dick thing. Was... The, the next guy on my list is um, Angelo Mosca Jr. Worse than Ronnie Garvin. <laughs> <laughs> Much worse. But anyway. anyway. The next one is actually going to be a legit one. It's a guy that um, he's not as big of a 
piece of human shit as Chris Benoit was and still is, but he is he is a piece of shit. Um, it's Jake Roberts. And I almost, I actually almost put Jake on my list when I was Jake is the it. guy. Jake, I, Jake's the guy that I put that I put on my list instead of Jerry Lawler. And same, uh, well, reverse for me. I was about to say I put Lawler on my list instead of Jake. So we, I guess we're uh, we're equal there. Um, no, I mean I, I agree with you. Like if you talk about in ring psychology. Jake Roberts is a fucking master of in-ring psychology. So, Nobody can and deny he, that. And he'd be the guy on my list that I would say that maybe necessarily, like, kind of how I said with Lawler, you know, where he might not have, like, a bell-to-bell, like, Brad Armstrong or Bobby Eaton or Chris Benoit style match. Mm-hmm. But he was so good at what he did, he didn't have to do that stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Like Jake could have a 15 minute match that probably had 5 minutes worth of actual physical wrestling in right. it. Right. Well, look at the look at the blindfold match with Martel at WrestleMania 7. And he's the guy that wasn't on either one of our lists that should have probably been on our list. Martel. It was Rick Martel. That, um, but we won't get into that. But like Jake, whatever he did meant something, mm-hmm. and could just bring like he could bring you into the television set if you were watching on TV. Like like I watch matches that I've seen hundreds of times with Jake Roberts, and when I watch them I'm still still like this is fantastic yes and I wish he would have put this much I wish this guy would have put this much effort into his actual life yeah than he did professional wrestling and maybe he would such a piece of shit human being just as a side note Jake pay Jerry Gray and if you haven't if you haven't seen the link I'm going to use this Aaron as a pitch if you, okay. if you haven't seen the link that I put up on the We Can't Wrestle podcast quite frequently in the Facebook group, um, if you can contribute to the uh, Go GoFundMe for Jerry Gray, any 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 amount, whether it's a dollar or five hundred dollars, is greatly appreciated. Friend of the show, thank you, Jerry, for your time, your stories. We appreciate it. So I have two more. You have how many more? One more. One. All right, so I have two more. The first of the two. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna agree on the for, on on our last one. I, I'm predicting that. But the 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 second to last one on my list that I have here is one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time. One of my favorites. One of the greatest in ring performers, out of the ring performers, but spe- especially in the ring, Eddie Guerrero. Yep, he wasn't on my list, but he should have been. Eddie Eddie had a way during a match, much like um, his charisma, just everything he did during a match was so natural. Like, um, we talked about Orton 
Randy being better than his... Eddie was better than his predecessors. Eddie was better than his dad. He was better than his brothers. He was just... He's the greatest in his family. And that's no hate yeah. on any of the rest of them. That's no hate on Chavo. That's... Eddie his was family just, will tell you that he's the best of our family. He was so good. And... And... And even getting to the day of his death, you know, in two thousand, I, I dare someone in two thousand and five to find someone better than Eddie Guerrero. There weren't very many. No, sir. <laughs> Just during a match, he could capture my imagination. Um, everything he did was crisp, clean. From beginning to end, no, even when Eddie was fucked up, like that's why I give Eddie more credit than Regal, because even when Eddie was fucked up, you couldn't tell Eddie was fucked up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in the ring, I don't, you know, I don't know how the guys who wrestled him felt about it, but when I watched Eddie, even when now going back, knowing that at this time he was fucked up, I can't tell. He's just so good. So good. I completely agree with you. Can you pause it for a minute? Alright, so, that being said, we each have one left here, and I'm hoping that we both have both have the same choice, because of all the guys that I put on this list, and as much respect as I have for them, this is, to me, the greatest bell-to-bell in-ring worker of all time. And again, for those of you that want to say, you know, some guy that wrestled in black-and-white TV before I was ever even born, fucking do your own show. Um, but for me, this is the number one guy. But Aaron, I'm going to let you go first, and I bet we have the same person. I brought him up earlier. It's Kurt Hennig. It's Kurt Hennig. Yes, it is. Henning. Kurt Henning, biologically, <laughs> bell to bell, performance-wise, everything. Everything you can possibly imagine. Aaron and I are in agreement. I think we both agree that bell to bell, Kurt Henning, is the best in-ring worker of all time. When people are like, oh, if you were going to draw a professional wrestler, it would look like Lex Luger, or it would look like Hulk Hogan, or it would look like... No. To me, if I'm going to draw a professional wrestler, it would look like Kerr Hennig. It would look like Mr. Perfect. It would look like Mr. Perfect. It would talk like Mr. Perfect. It would perform like Mr. It would, Perfect. It would walk like Mr. Perfect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everything. It would, it would have the facial expressions of Mr. Perfect. It would have the attitude of Mr. Perfect, Kerr Hennig. The guy was better at everything than everybody. And he had the, that was the perfect gimmick for him. <laughs> like Randy said, Sa- like Randy Savage is my favorite wrestler of all time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mr. Perfect and Ric Flair at different times flip and flop. But Rick, like Miss, Rick, yeah, sorry. Kurt Hennig, it's just amazing. 
Like there's fucking amazing. There's nobody in the history of the wrestling business of my era, of me watching from 1983 to today, that could pull me into a match more than Kurt Henning against anybody. Against anybody. You know, I, I hear the expression all the time, Ric Flair could work with a broom. I, I disagree with that because I've seen some Ric Flair stinkers. Because I, I watch a Ric Flair match sometimes. I'm going to say, like, say against Porkchop Cash or what the fuck ever. I don't know. Rufus Freight Train Jones. And what I see is Ric Flair wrestling around that guy. That's what I see. And that's not taking anything away from Ric Flair. However, I can watch any Kurt Henning match, and it looks like both competitors are somewhat equal, other than obviously if it's a jobber match. But both competitors are so much are, are somewhat equal because of Kurt Henning. I don't it doesn't feel like Kurt Henning's doing Kurt Henning. It feels like Kurt Henning is part of a match that I'm watching that is competitive. He is, um, he's, um, Hulk Hogan's most underrated feud. Yes. Like, that doesn't get talked about enough. And I, I, I know it doesn't get talked about enough because it didn't get, like, like a SummerSlam mm-hmm. or a WrestleMania blow off. Like, the blow off to that was their Royal, like, them being the last guys in the Royal Rumble. Right. And it was there that way of protecting um, perfect from losing, like a, a, a pinfall. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. beef getting pinned him before that, you know, which is the biggest tragedy in wrestling history. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I shouldn't say biggest tragedy in re- the biggest like written tragedy in wrestling history. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like pre-planned tragedy in wrestling history. Is the fact that Brutus Beefcake is the guy that ended Mr. Perfect's undefeated streak? <laughs> yes. So why? Why? What did he do? What did he do to deserve that? Nothing. <clears throat> and I, I just think the guy was fantastic, and everything that he did, he did to the best of his ability. And his ability was better than anybody else's. And he took things that shouldn't have been good and made them great. Absolutely. The West Texas Rednecks (laughs) should not have been good. That should have been horrible. But he made it great and entertaining because he made the people around him better. And... I just, like, as great as Ric Flair is, okay, as great as Ric Flair is, Ric Flair would not have been as great in the WWF if he wouldn't have had Mr. Perfect with him. Right. He wouldn't have. No. He had he had the best, um, the two best performers ever with him. <laughs> Heenan yeah. Perfect. Fuck, come on. Heenan Perfect Flair. Are you kidding me? Like, people talk about, like, oh, 
It would have been great if like JJ Dillon would have been no, no. no. In the WWF, <laughs> Ric Flair, Bobby Heenan, Mr. Perfect together. That might be one of the greatest little factions it is. in the history of, in not the history might, of professional not, wrestling. Not might be, it is. So quickly, since Aaron and I agree on um, number one, just to bring up you guys, you, you, you commented on the post in the Facebook group. Uh, Steve Salmonson, some people we didn't mention or people we did mention. Steve said Bret Hart, Kurt Henning, Scott Hall, Randy Savage, yeah. and Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah. Jamie Patterson mentioned Ricky Steamboat. And Shawn Michaels. Ricky, Ricky's great, but Ricky's stuff, I don't know how to say this, because I, I, I don't know if it was or not, but it, it always seemed choreographed to me. I'm not saying it was great, but Ricky seemed very rehearsed to me. Yeah. One of the cool things I read about Ricky Steamboat is, you know what he did? What's that? He would study boxing mat like boxing fights, mm-hmm. and would study the different like blows the boxers would take, okay. like with a with a punch, mm-hmm. and watch how the because boxing obviously at the point that he was watching was you know real, right? He would watch how the human body would react to like. A left uppercut, mm-hmm. and see how okay. Well, naturally, you know, this guy stumbled like Rocky Marciano stumbled back this way after getting a, a left uppercut, mm-hmm. and then he'd be like, "Well, that's how I should do it." Right. I see a lot of that like in that, Randy Orton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody else that they got? Um, Steve. Uh, Jamie Patterson said uh, Ricky Steamboat, and he also said Shawn Michaels, who we mentioned. Nick Francis mentioned Michaels and a Y2J. And Nick also says, and honestly, current, I'd say Dolph Ziggler. All right. Archie Mitchell mentioned HBK, which we did. He mentioned also Okada, Flair, Steamboat, and Shane Douglas. I don't I, I I don't know if Shane Douglas would be on my list of greatest workers, but I think Shane Douglas gets a lot of unnecessary negativity cast on him. Chris Wood has to chime in. Who cares that he thinks? <laughs> he agreed with you on Malenko. And then he also I says that was wrong. I'm taking Malenko off my list. <laughs> he also I'm says Chris. <laughs> he also says Chris Daniels. All right. Roderick Strong. And one I definitely agree with, Jushin Liger. I think Jushin Liger is the greatest Japanese wrestler of all time. Possibly. And then John Majewski. I'm trying to see if John has anybody on his list that we didn't mention. HBK, Brett, Flair, 
Macho Man, Million Dollar Man, and John does mention X-Pac, which is a good honorable mention. X-Pac is, yeah, Bell to Bell, Sean Waltman, I mean, does not get near enough credit for the amazing fucking worker he was. Is, you know, I don't know if he's still wrestling or not, I haven't seen an X-Pac match in a long time, but, I mean, uh, Brett, Brett, one, two, three, kid. I mean, you don't get much better than that for a TV wrestling match. Yeah, I think I think I think he retired, but but that was it for the uh, listeners. And thank each and every one of you amazingly for your support, your participation. Except Chris Wood, we appreciate. <laughs> Except Chris Wood, <laughs> he can go fuck himself. This is Chris Wood's initiation to the We Can't Wrestle family getting hated on by Aaron. <laughs> getting some shit. <laughs> Nobody cares, Chris Wood. Well, Aaron, why don't you say goodbye to your listeners? We're going to sign off for this week's edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Goodbye to my listeners. And uh, goodbye to my few listeners. And um, we want to thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a part of the family of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And again, um, going to have some more contests coming up, some more free shit, what have you. But um, if you're here for the free shit, it may not be as as, as uh, often as you like. But if you're here for the entertainment, it's going to be every week. Uh, the We Can't Wrestle podcast, We Can't Wrestle Live, the YouTube channel, a lot of good stuff coming up on that here shortly. In the year 2020, we thank you for joining us, and we're going to sign off for this week's edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Don't get me kicked off YouTube, motherfucker. Yankee Doodle went to town. Is that Bjork? Is that Bjork singing Yankle Doodle? It was the wrong one. Not the one I tried to play. Oh, that was a commercial. How are you going to commercialize Yankee Doodle? Then them girls give you a handy. Now, father and I went down to camp along with Captain Gooden. And there we saw the men and boys as thick as hasty Gordon. Yankee Doodle, keep it up. Yankee Doodle, dandy. Find the music and the step and with the girls be handy. Is this over yet? Here we go. Gonna play.
And there was General Washington upon the slappy sand, giving orders to his men. I guess there was a million. Yankee Doodle, keep it up. Yankee Doodle, dandy. Find the music, have a step, and with a girl be handy. He said, and he ended it with him, and the girl gave me a handy. <laughs> Even back then, that's what everybody wanted. I mean, <laughs> Jesus. I'm the big egg. Jerk me off. <laughs> that was like the old, old version. That was even before the 20s. I didn't mean to pick that nursery rhyme version of Bjork first. That was a misfinger. Let somebody (laughs) try to say that shit's fucking goddamn fucking not public domain. (laughs) If Yankee Doodle Dandy isn't public domain, we've lost our soul as a country. Yeah, that's that's our new ending theme. Yankee Doodle Dandy, give me a handy. (laughs) Give me a handy. And And then she gave me a handy. Hot shot, shot, shot. That's hot. <laughs> and Ghost is like, that's hot. <laughs> we will... S- <clears throat> oh, we will... Yankee s- Doodle Danny's our new outro. <laughs> we will see you next week on the We Can't Wrestle Podcast.